0: I figure if we're going to get here, let's get something. Amen. Let's be changed and transformed. Say this with me. By the time I leave, go out that back door, I'm going to be changed. In Jesus' name. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to have Pastor Chris come up in a second. But for those that don't know him, he was here last year, right? Was it about this time? Was it about this time last year? Was it two years already? Wow, man, time flies. I was thinking it was last year. Okay, it's been too long. So God, see, God knew what he was doing. I thought it was last year. Two years ago, they came and did a revival for us, an awesome revival. I'm not just saying this. For those that were here and know, it was one of the best revivals we've ever had. Amen. We've seen so much fruit from it that remained, and it was an awesome, awesome revival. And uh, he's got a, a, a great gift to preach, but he's got a beautiful family. And uh, they, are, they love God, and they have wonderful voices. Pastor Chris sings a lot of times at the Phoenix Suns games, Dallas Cowboys games, Dallas Cowboys games. <laughs> He's an Arizona Cardinals fan. We'll forgive him, amen? He's the only team they got in that area. I had the coolest thing happen to me, though, two years ago. He called me one day and, and he had been praying about. So, you got to get the right prayer partner with you. He'd been praying about wanting to sing for the Arizona Cardinals. And he had pray. you know, the opportunity. He'd already sang for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Coyotes, right? Diamondbacks, Arizona Diamondbacks in, in front of that whole stadium. Can you imagine that? How nerve wracking that'd be. So, he says, one time at conference, I think he said, let's, let's pray and believe we'll get us. So, I agreed with him. He calls me one day, and, and he was excited. He said, I got it. They want me to come and sing for the Arizona Cardinals. That's like 80,000 people. 68? See, I'm evangelistically speaking, right? <laughs> 70,000 people, amen? And it's a big stadium, and he called me. said, so they called me. He goes, and I was all excited with him, and he says, guess what? He says, guess who they asked me to sing for what game? And I said, The Cowboys. And he said, the Dallas Cowboys. And I was excited for that alone, right? Because I said, that's, that's a blessing from God. Man, he, he blessed me with one of the best gifts I've ever had in my life, honestly. You know I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, we, me and Carla went out there to Arizona. He took us to the game, got to go in with him, got to go down on the field. And he sang the national anthem for the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. They lost. Cowboys lost. but They do that a lot. But it was a fun experience. But he's an awesome, awesome friend, and I want you to just open up your hearts. I believe their family's going to bless us tonight with some song. Well, let's give Pastor Chris Gregory a wonderful Denton, Texas, Victory World Outreach welcome, amen, as he comes tonight.
1: Praise God. It's good to be back here in Denton, Texas. I thought... As we were leaving Phoenix yesterday, I said, yes, we're going to get out of the heat. <laughs> and uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, not, it's no better here. So, in fact, it may be worse. It's 100, 100, 115, 112 in Phoenix, but I think it might actually be worse here. And so you can complain about it or you can just use it as an evangelistic tool. And tell people, say, you see how hot it is out here? You don't change. you go going to a place where this is like the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> Amen. It's a blessing to be here again tonight. I'm going to ask my family, my lovely wife, and I don't know if all six of them coming, maybe five, possibly four of them are coming up to just sing a song up here with me tonight let's just give God praise for them as they come we're trying to learn your keyboard so hopefully uh, we didn't break it if we break it if it's broke when we're leaving when we leave we didn't do it uh can they use these mics right here all right alright We're going to sing. A we're going to ask you to stand with us here tonight. We got a little song. My wife wrote this song a year or two ago. We sing this song in our church. It says, send revival, Lord. Let it begin in me. Amen. Praise God. Let's get it going here. That's my wife. Amen. Amen. As Pastor Blake said, let's see. It was about, I'd say, 21, was it 21 years ago, baby? 21 years ago where I walked into an ROTC class. and I wasn't even supposed to be in ROTC. I called myself going to get an advanced degree. And I took a year of Spanish, and the only thing I learned was, uh, don't dare stop? <laughs> and so, I, well, I said, well, we ain't going to do Spanish. I'm going to do ROTC. I'm going to the military. And I walked in that ROTC class, and there was a girl in there just as cute as a button. And let me tell you, Paul, she had on a pair of African beads. i tell you all about them African beads last time I was here. Man, them things was ugly. They were so ugly. They were so ugly. No, I'm just kidding. And and me and me, uh, this was before I was saved. Now, me being the player that I was, I said, let me wear them beads. She said, All right. And that was my end there. And I I uh talked to her a little bit, and six kids later, here we are. Amen. And it's it ain't been no nightmare. It's been a dream. And I thank God for her, for my family. We're going to Alabama. I, can, can y'all keep a secret? My parents don't know we're coming. And, our, and they're, they're, uh, they have a, fam, a, a family reunion Friday night, Saturday. And then my dad sings in a quartet. Sunday is his quartet's anniversary. So they don't know that we're coming there, about two or three people know that we're coming in the whole family just to make sure we had enough fried fish on Friday night. <laughs> I want to come all that way and don't get no fish. And so we let the, let the fish lady know we was coming. And, and uh, my brother is coordinating the ruse for us so that when we come in, they'll be somewhat prepared for us. And so we're looking forward to heading in tomorrow. Uh, I'm not one bit tired right now. And there's a great liberty in this place to speak the, the word of God. And I'm just honored to have friends like uh, Pastor Blake and First Lady Carla. What a great couple, great work that they're doing here. And I'm, I'm just happy to have friends like them. You all have tremendous, tremendous pastor and a First Lady here. Why don't you give them a praise? Give God praise for them here tonight. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've called this man excited. I've called him crying. And no matter how I call him, I always know he ain't just going to just pat me and say, it's all going to be all right. He's going to, he's going to have a, a due season word. He's going to have a word that the Bible calls us like apples of gold and self settings of silver. And so I'm grateful to have friends in the ministry like this. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1. I'm going to read seven verses there. Verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. The scripture reads, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a being, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was failing a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore he sa- therefore said he take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. Amen. I want to minister tonight for a few minutes on the thought your cutting edge, your cutting edge. This passage of scripture has been a mystery, and has been one that has uh, challenged theologians and Bible scholars for for uh, uh, many many hundreds of years where men have been trying to grasp what is God actually saying here in this passage. As you read 2 Kings chapter 6, it is almost as if this passage does not fit with the flow of what's happening there. It's almost as if someone has inserted a story there and it doesn't flow with the rest of what's happening there. But how many know God doesn't put anything in his word just because he's trying to fill in some space? He doesn't just put something in that just said, "Well, we we've only got 66 books and it ain't long enough, so let's just let's just uh, stuff it with some 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 other stories." No, when God puts something, when you read something in your Bible, trust me, friend, there's a reason it's there. You may not know why it's there. You may not know have an understanding of what it's all about, but make no mistake about it. It's, Every word, every word, every jot, every tittle in that Bible has a purpose. And it's true, so true here with this passage of Scripture here in 2 Kings 6 verses 1 through 7, where Elijah has a group of prophets, group of men who are there with him, disciples that are in the school of the prophets, and they are learning from him and receiving from him, And these men say that uh, our building is too small. This place where we are is too small here. Let's build us a larger place so that we can uh, stretch out a little bit. And Elisha says, all right, go ahead and build it. And they said, well, we're going to go down to the Jordan and cut down some wood, but we would like for you, Elisha, to come with us. And he comes with them. While they're there, they're cutting the wood. And this young man, he's cutting his wood. He's about his business. And while he's About his business, the axe head falls into the water and may not seem like a big deal nowadays. You just run down to Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever place and pick you up another one. But back in those days, iron was a very precious commodity. And so it wasn't as easy as just running down to the local Walmart and grabbing you another one. And so he cries out, alas, my Lord, it wasn't ours, it was borrowed. It's a big deal here. Our cutting edge is gone. The thing that we're using for the ministry to uh, help us to build something here, that cutting edge is gone. And maybe you're here tonight and you sense your cutting edge is gone. I want to encourage you tonight. You can get that cutting edge back. Maybe you're here tonight and your cutting edge is getting a little dull. The impact that you are making with the same measure of blow is not as impactful as it used to be. Tonight, God can sharpen that cutting edge. Maybe you're here tonight and you're on fire for God and you're excited about the things of God. Do you know the scripture says, iron sharpens iron, so the man the countenance of his friend. So tonight, it doesn't matter where you are. It's something here for you because I want you to know tonight God has issued to every believer a cutting edge, a cutting edge. And so let's jump in it tonight. The central theme, I like to give a central theme. If you don't get nothing else, I'm from Alabama, so we, you know, we talk in small sentences. So if you don't get nothing else, get this. Make sure you're still effective for God. Make sure you're still effective for God. I want to go through this a little bit here tonight. Number one, inspiration. These men were inspired to build something. These men wanted to do something. There is in these men an ability to see that there there is a need for a building to facilitate additional ministry. In other words, where we're at right here is not conducive to what we're trying to accomplish. Maybe in your Christian walk, you've experienced this. You've been in a place in your life where where you are in that place in your life is not conducive for ministry. I remember when I was in 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 Okinawa, Japan, and my son, Chris, at the time, is about two or three months old. And uh, I was smoking at the time and God told me to stop dipping. If actually I was dipping, I started dipping to quit smoking. And he said, quit dipping. I was in a place that was not conducive for ministry. I was in a place where I could not be effective in ministry as long as I stayed in that place. As long as I was uh, dipping and sliding around the house and, and uh, smoking a cigarette here, as long as I was uh, rolling in my car and with my head down, with my dip in like this. Couldn't be effective for a ministry. I remember driving down the on down the street on the base in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, and I'd be smoking a cigarette and I'd see somebody from the church and i I'm about to burn myself up. In fact, I, I burned a pair of my, my uh, BDUs, my uh, military uniform, one time because I was hiding my cigarette. I was ineffective in ministry. You ever been in a place where you're ineffective in ministry? You're, maybe God is com, is is pressing upon your heart to make some changes in your life, to do something different. Maybe to cut off some friends. Maybe say, you know what, you need to start hitting hitting morning prayer before service, or hitting a hitting a, a outreach or something. And you're rebelling against against it because you're in a place that's not conducive for ministry. Maybe there's behaviors that aren't conducive for ministry. These men were inspired. And I don't believe it was something that was just in them. They were inspired to get to a place that would facilitate a better ministry. They wanted to get to a place where they could be more effective in what they were doing. And so they saw a need. They said, this place where we're at is too small for us. Remember the the, the prayer of Jabez, at one point everybody was reading the prayer of Jabez and confessing it. I had my prayer, Jabez, reading and confessing. Jabez, the Bible says that God brought him into a large place. A large place. You know, God will bring you into a large place. And it's so, I, I, was, I was sharing with our church this last week how, how much of a dichotomy it is, how narrow the road is that leads to eternal life and few there be it that, is that find it. And yet, the, the life of the Spirit is a life of liberty. Pastor Blake quoted the scripture today, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but all things do not edify so we live a life that's so, so narrow. I was sharing with our church, you know, this, this greasy grace. We got, we got lard grace, Crisco grace nowadays. Just, you can just wallow in and just slosh around in grace now. It's so greasy. And, and you know, anything can pass for grace. But that, I quoted that scripture to our church where the Bible says, judgment begins in the house of God, and if the righteous scarcely be saved. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That don't sound like you can just swallow and squash around and just kind of fool around and dip-dab in this and get a little bit into that and this and that and just kind of make it in. Sounds like exactly what God said. The righteous scarcely be saved. We're in an age right now, we've got a lot of young folks in here. If you're a young person, raise your hand just say, woo-doo. Some of y'all ain't so young, but you, you raise your hand anyhow. Praise God by faith. Just. Young people, the world's feeding you a bill of goods. You can do whatever you want to. Living for God is for old folks. Serving God is for folks that, you know, they, they can't uh, come in a club and, and get off like they used to. When you can't do that no more, when you lose your hair, then you can serve God. How many know God wants you young folks to serve God when you got a head full of hair? Is that right? I thank God, man, I got saved when I was 19. 19 years old. Then I got married. How old was I when I got married? She drugged me down. I mean, we got married when I was 20 years old. 20 years old. You know what they told me when I got married? You want to get married now? You got so many other things you need to experience. Things I need to experience. That was an old guy told me that. I look back at him here where I told him. I said, you know what? There's not one thing in this world I got any business doing that I can't do it with my wife. Isn't that right? What a wide open spacious life we live and yet it's so narrow. Don't ever think you can just live and do anything you want to do. And, and, you know, the devil fe- feeds a, b- a bill of goods that says we got some kind of special understanding. God understands. Yeah, I know he's sending other people to hell for this, but me and God got an understanding. No, 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 no. That's why he sent Jesus for misunderstandings. These men saw that there was a need for something. People got a lot of ideas. How many in this place got some ideas about how to make your church better? Don't raise your hand. People got a lot of ideas, but few actually have ideas that are God-breathed. We have people coming to our church, and because our, our children's church isn't, you know, if, if we don't have a, a, a slushy machine and an Xbox for everybody, uh, they got ideas about how to uh, get the slushy machine and the Xbox on the board. People got ideas, but very few have God breathed ideas. Christ saw the need of mankind, and he offered himself. Guess what he wants you to do? Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. These men said we're we're, this space that we're in here is too small. We need another one. And here's how we can do it. They didn't just articulate an idea, but they also articulated how to accomplish something. And I'm going to tell you something, a lot of folks got a lot of knee-jerk ideas, but God's looking for people that say, Pastor, here's what we can do, and here's how. I'll do it (laughs) if you let me. Seeing the need, and then articulating a solution. Articulating a solution. These men said, said, Elisha, we've got a lack of space. We could go down to the Jordan and cut down some wood and build a bigger one. They were inspired. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you begin to pray and believe God, he'll inspire you. He will inspire you. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you strategies. He'll give you he'll give you an unction to move in a due season. And you don't know how God is using your life to encourage somebody, to help somebody. We, when we moved to Okinawa, Japan, we learned maybe five or six years later that the pastor and that first lady were getting ready to close that church down. They thought God wasn't doing anything anymore. We came in and we didn't have sense enough to know that uh, churches had a certain type of children's church with the Xbox and the slushy machine. We thought nursery was just a little room in the corner where the kids, you know, just, you know, sat on the floor and they they taught them Bible verses. That's all we needed. Isn't that right? Chris, all right. He made it. He made it without the Xbox. (laughs) Amen. They said, we got an idea and we got a solution. And then they said, listen to this, and this is going to help somebody tonight. This is a Wednesday night crowd, so you're one leg up already. They said, listen to this. Can we go and do this? Woo. In other words, what they're saying is we want God's authority. On what we're doing. we got people in our church. We had somebody recently just up and moved out of town. Didn't say a word. Just up, moved. Gone. I heard it. You know, I, I could have been. I don't know what that group is. I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> you don't get up and just move without requesting God's grace and blessing. I'm gonna tell you something. We live in an age now, and I know, I know folks in Denton, Texas, they ain't like this, but this is how they do it in Phoenix. They'll just jump and jump and hop and skip and just do anything. They don't understand covering. Covering. And I'm gonna tell you guys tonight, I've been I got saved in 1995, And everybody that I know that got that got saved and I've seen through the years with some longevity. Every single one of them had a right relationship to authority. Every one of them. Our church is reading this book. I asked Pastor about it. He said he's read it, and so uh, it, it should be all right. This month, our church is reading this book by Watchman Nee, Authority and Submission. It's a great, tremendous book. If you are a rebel, you might get two about two pages into it, and you'd be like, oh, this ain't got no Holy Ghost in it. You know what I'm getting more and more convinced of? People aren't going to hell because of certain sins. They're going to hell because of one sin. Rebellion. Rebellion. All of what we are doing here, all of what your whole life, all of what the universe is about is who has the authority. God or Satan. Who has the authority? All of your life, the decisions that you make. Think about this for a minute. The decisions that you make in your life. Young people, the decisions that you make in your life. You're out of school right now. When you go back to that school, the first day of school, here's, what, here's, the, here's the dominant thought that's going to be in your mind. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, how can I fit in? I don't want to look like a fool or whatever the word is young folks use nowadays. I look back on and I talk to my son about this. I say, you know what? The, the impact I could have had for Jesus if I hadn't just been concerned about who's going to like me. What, the, what, the, what your Bible tell you about when folks hate you? Blessed are you. Not when they hate you because you talk too much or because you late for work or because you gossiping. But the Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Righteousness sake. It's all about, listen, it's all about who has the authority in my life. Who do I want to please? Who do I want to please? Do I want to please God or do I want to please Satan? Do I want to please the world? Do I want to please myself? And we we gave you a lot of choices there, but you're only going to please one of them. God or Satan. You pleasing the devil, I promise you, you ain't going to be happy. Covering. It's not understood. Listen to what the Bible said, Matthew 10 and 41. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, let me brag on your pastor again a little bit. And, I, and uh, uh, he ain't asked me to do this. But it's it's my duty when I come into another man's house to encourage the people of God to live for Jesus and to strengthen the hand of the man of God. And if I leave here today and somebody in this place says, you know what, I want to be better for God and my pastor, we've done our job. When you receive your pastor as Blake Andrews, you get what Blake Andrews can do. When you receive him as the man of God, you get what God can do. If you, if you receive him as, oh, he's just telling me his opinion or that's how he feels about it, then you get that reward. But when you receive it as the word of God, you get God's reward. Now, I've been in a lot of different types of churches. I, we, me and my wife laugh. You know, they got the, they've got the, uh, the, the, uh, the first... The first prayers or the first Baptist. I say, if they were really wanting to be spiritual, they'd be the last Baptist. Isn't that right? What the Bible said about that? The first shall be last, and the last will be first. When they said a greater first St. Mark, I don't know if there's a greater first St. Mark in Denton, there is in Alabama though. They should be the lesser last St. Mark if you want to be spiritually correct, isn't that right? When you start receiving the man of God as the man of God, you start getting God's blessing. That's why, that's why I, love, I love Pastor Jones. Pastor Paul came and preached for us here about a month or so ago and I told him the exact same thing. Listen, I said, as I honored your father, so will I honor you. People don't articulate these types of things anymore. How many of you men have gone to your pastor and said, "Pastor, I'm committed to you, and 20 years from now I'm gonna still be with you, unless you send me out." The pastor. <laughs> I told my pastor that. I told him. And woe be unto me! And not only did I tell him, I'm telling y'all. So when it so when it break down, if something break down, God forbid, then you know. It's here. Unless Pastor Paul goes off on some tangent and he starts handling rattlesnakes, we're going to be there. <laughs> Amen. Now he start handling them rattlesnakes, me and Snake don't get along, ain't going to be fooling with it. <laughs> Covering is important. Those men said, can we go do this, Elisha? He said, yeah, go do it. And one of them said, can you go with us? He said, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. What is he saying right there? He's saying that I am putting God's seal of approval on it. A lot of people, my, my wife is teaching me, there's a lot of people want you to communicate with them to validate their delusion. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In 1 Samuel 15 and 30, in 1 Samuel 15, you remember Saul, God told him to kill everything of the Amalekites. What he did, he killed everything except what he thought was the best, and he saved King Agag. God said, destroy everything, and he did what he wanted to do. And then the first thing he did when Samuel walked up to him, he says, praise the Lord, brother, I did the will of God. (laughs) And uh, Samuel, like, you did the, the will of God. Well, what is all this bleating of the sheep and lowing of the oxen that I hear then? you did the will of God, why is your life still a mess? If you're really serving God like you say you are, how come all of this trouble is still following you? I ain't talking about the good trouble, like folks mad at you for preaching the gospel. I'm talking about getting arrested on Friday night for fighting and you weren't passing out tracts. These superstars now, every superstar got a spiritual advisor, got some bishop on TV. Yeah, I'm the spiritual advisor for, uh, you know, drop it like it's hot Shaniqua over here. (laughs) I'm like, really? How can you stand there with that sinner and say you're spiritually advising them? You know why they want that? So that you can, so that that spiritual advisor can validate that delusion. Samuel said in verse 30, he said, I sinned, but still go ahead and honor me, I pray you, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Yeah, I know I've messed up and I've lost the kingdom, but at least come with me and make me look good for the people. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Have a sincere, honest, right heart before God and before his people. Jesus Christ gave too, he gave too much for us to live delusions. He gave too much for me to be uh, acting a fool out in the street messing around when I've got a, I've got a, a, a great wife and kids at home. Christ gave too much for me to be wasting what he did on some temporary pleasure. And so I want God's covering And God's covering is demonstrated in the earth through a man. It's through a man. These men are there and they said, come with us. Come with us and we're going to build this thing. And they begin to go out and they're building and they're working and they're doing the will of God. They're building something for God. But everybody that's been saved for a while know that there's going to be unexpected complications in ministry. Things that you aren't going to expect. Sickness is going to come. Maybe knock you out of ministry, God forbid. Maybe there's a financial hardship that'll come, knock you out of ministry, and and try and knock you out of ministry. Maybe there's a relationship problem that'll come and attempt to knock you out of ministry. So many different things will come and try and uh, make you quit on the ministry. And these men, as they're working, the very thing that they're using to accomplish the work, they lose it. It's an unexpected complication in the ministry. When they're there, he can do one or two things. He can say, well, I lost my axe head. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, maybe I'll take some rocks and try and, and cut some trees down. Or maybe I'll see if I can grab a rope and try to pull it down from the top. He, he could try to come up and conjure something else up to give some semblance of doing the ministry, or, everybody say or, or he can say, alas, somebody help me out here because I have lost my cutting edge. I used to be effective and now I am not effective. Something has happened here, some unexpected complication. We don't know. The Bible does not give us insight as to why he lost the axe head. We don't know. Maybe he was being negligent with it. You've seen it before. I've seen our guys, they grab the speakers and just kind of sling them around and now the speaker blood busted. You're like, really? Come on, man. <laughs> Actually, let my wife be like, come on, man. <laughs> nah, she don't be doing that. Could have been negligence on this guy's part. Oh, he playing around. He just slanging the, the axe and all of a sudden. <laughs> we don't know why the axe head came off. We just know he lost his cutting edge. And when the axe head is lost, what you do when that axe head is lost will determine what your life is going to end up being. When you get to that place where you're saying, God, it seems like I'm doing the same things. I'm doing the same stroke here. I'm still praying. I'm still reading. I'm still going to church. I'm still singing in the choir. I'm still ushering. I'm still tithing. But this motion that I'm doing right now, it does not have the same effect that it used to. Have you ever been there before? I'm praying. I'm reading trying to be nice to folks? Trying. I don't have the same effect here that I used to have. The axe head is lost. And there's so many people that are living their life and they're going through the same motion as if they got a cutting edge and all they got there is is a piece of oak wood just swinging it. Ain't making no impact. Or they're not accomplishing one thing with their lives. But, boy, they working hard and sweating and farting and carrying on just. y'all see folks like that? Working hard. You know what the Bible calls them? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They working hard, boy. They, you can't beat them working. Yet there's no impact. God, let me tell you something. God, don't. he He didn't die on the cross so you could just work hard. In fact, if you just working hard like that, perhaps you ain't working for the right person. I shared this with our church. I said, listen, here's what what the, the Bible said. The Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. Hard. What did Jesus say to you? Come unto me, all ye that are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you a hard job to do. What did he say he'd give you? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is and my burden is. That's what Jesus said. Folks ask us, oh, you got six kids? How you do it? We built for this. <laughs> I put that big expedition on the road yesterday about 6.30, and I just, When you come out of Phoenix, you got to get up that hill, you know. I put it on cruise control, that big V8 just... Bleh. And then if somebody get in my way, I can, I can hit it again and whoom, go on bound. That big V8 built for it. Now, I could take that V8, I could take that big Expedition, and I can get on up the road. But it, what if I got a Corvette? What's the fastest car, Chris? A faster one than a Corvette. Bugatti. I take that Bugatti now, and even though that expedition is coming on with it, "Mm," that Bugatti said, "Mm." Why is that? It's built for it. Let me tell you something. When you're doing what God has created you to do, it ain't no... You just. Mm. That's why I got a smile on my face. I go in the back room and cry. I come right out and smile. Because when I go in that back room and cry, guess what I'm doing? Taking my burden to him. I take that burden to him. And when I do, when I take it in there, I drop it off. I take the pin out and I leave that hitch there, and I grab his yoke on the way out and just. But you know what some folks do? They they hitch that trailer of troubles up, and they just drag that thing up that hill. You come into church? How you doing, brother? I'm all right. Just hauling them troubles everywhere. Man, unhitch them troubles so you can go. What does your Bible tell you? Lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset you. Run with patience the race that is set before you. Doing what? Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. See, when we get our eyes off of Jesus and we start focusing on other stuff, that's when the problems come. Build your hopes, the songwriter says, on things eternal. Build your hopes on things eternal. Paul said, I reckon that the troubles that we're having right now are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. Trouble don't last always. It don't last always. These men lost their axe head they had sense enough to cry out, cry out and say, you know what, I need help. And I'm not just going to sit here and sit back and wait for somebody go get my axe head for me. I'm not just going to come to church and look like a, like a mule eating briars and wait for somebody to come to me and say, what's wrong, brother? What's wrong, sister? Don't do that. Pastor Blake was talking about coming in and offering something, giving. Psalm 116, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? We got benefits tonight. I know they talking about Obamacare and this all these cares and we got benefits tonight. We got benefits tonight in the kingdom. Our benefits are way better than anything the federal government can give us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The axe head is lost. Brother, sister, I ain't going to die here. I'm going to live. I shall not die. I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. Come, my brother, pray with me. Come, my sister, let's be encouraged here. Help me pray this thing through. Alas, for it was borrowed, he said. You know that the anointing, the gift that God has on your life is not yours? Does not belong to you. So don't think you can just do with it what you want to do. Don't think that the life that you have, you can do with it what you want to. Don't think that the body that you have, you know this this whole debate about whose whose body, uh, whose woman's the woman's body or the man's body, and it it ain't it's God's body. It's God's body. Let me give you a scripture to prove that. Now some some uh, super duck is gonna try to tell you. That this don't mean exactly what it say, but it does. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. He said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Now, I mean, I'm from Alabama, and I understand that. I know the folks in Texas ought to be able to understand that. Get smarter as you go, you know, out of the South, don't you? You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Who's bought with a price? Just, just those who come to church? No. The Bible said that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. They've been bought for, with a price. they just taking God's stuff and doing what they want to do with it. I got to Colorado Springs one one uh, year for conference, and I got a call from Wells Fargo. You know what they said? They said, did you go to shopping? Over at uh, such and such store. I said, uh uh-uh. uh. Well, did you go here and buy this as a nope? Somebody then took my stuff and buying them what they want to do with it. Now, if somebody stole your identity like that, you'd be madder than a striped spider. But how come folks can take what belongs to God and do with it what they want to do with it and think it's all right? He said, That ain't yours. You can't just load up the truck like you to Beverly Hillbillies and move to, you know. You can't do that. You can't just just unhitch un-hit your trailer and go to another church. <laughs> you can't do that. Who told you you could do that? People are, people are usurping authority. So they're doing things that have not been granted. He says... My axe head is not mine. My capability, my ability, my usefulness, my value is not mine. Someone gave it to me. And if I'm now ineffective because I have lost what has been given to me, I need somebody to help me get it back. submit to you tonight that God told you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. He gave you a ministry, committed to you a ministry, gave you a life that's worth living. Jesus Christ bought it with his own blood. He bought your axe head. Bought Everything that makes you worth being alive right now, He purchased it with His own blood. Let me tell you something: Had Christ not gone to that cross, died on Calvary's cross, it would know. You might well stop breathing right now. What did, your, what did the Apostle Paul tell you? He says, "If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable." If all I got to look forward to is this world, man, well, quit breathing. But we know if Christ rose from the dead, we too shall rise from the dead. Amen. And so we can sing that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living just because the government going to give me a check and I'm going to be able to go and buy me a big screen TV. Don't say that. worth the living because my wife's going to be at home tomorrow. I thank God my wife's going be to be with me tomorrow. Before we came, we was at the hotel. I gave her a big old kiss and said, you know what? I'm looking forward to taking you home to your in-laws. They like her better than me. My parents like her better than me. I thank God that I've got a great wife and great family. But listen, let me tell you something. If, if they don't go, I'm still going. You know what I tell my kids? If I don't go, you better go. Don't live your life vicariously through some most interesting man in the world or something. Live your life through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. You might be here tonight, we close, you lost your axe head. You lost your usefulness, your value. Doesn't mean you're not valuable anymore. Doesn't mean you aren't useful anymore. It means that there's something that God gave you, for whatever reason, it has been lost. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if it's lost, you can get it back. If it's dull, it can be sharpened. If it's sharpened, you need to be helping somebody else sharpen theirs. And I promise you, every person in this place falls into a category. Tonight, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 20, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and to some honor and to some dishonor. If any man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet or ready for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Every good work. Bible says you are his workmanship created under Christ Jesus for good works, for good works. But you need a sharp axe head to be effective for God. I don't know where you are tonight. But in a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're in this place tonight and you're not saved, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You working, you working like a one arm paper hanger and you ain't accomplishing nothing. Without Jesus Christ, you aren't accomplishing anything. Does it profit the man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Young people, listen to me now. You're not saved tonight. Christ came so that you could be useful. He came to give you value. He came so that you could glorify him. You're here, you're saved tonight, and you're sitting on your blessed assurance God saying, tighten it up. Maybe you're encumbered about with many things. You're worrying and troubled. You got that toe hitch and you drag down. Bring those burdens in these altars here in a minute. Drop them off. But don't just drop them off and go back to your seat and sit down. Before you go back to your seat, grab a hold of Jesus Christ's yoke strap that thing on you'll find it's easy and light you'll find it amen you're sharp you're on fire for god tonight man somebody needs you Say, god use me as a vessel let's bow our heads in this place